It's a question we have all asked ourselves at one time or another. What is my purpose in life? And while we all have many gifts and desires that are unique to us as individuals, we were all created for this one purpose, to glorify God our Father. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. So in a world focused only on self, we want to shift the paradigm to be purposeful women of God. So join us as we change our focus from me to thee. Hello and welcome to the Purposeful Women of God podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Tabitha. Thank you so much for sharing your Tuesday with us today. Okay, Tabitha, I have a debacle. What? All right, so about two weeks ago, I set on my fall stuff. Yeah. All right. Okay. No, I don't I don't set up a big dramatic thing. That's just I just don't. Right. The more crap I put out, the more crap I have to put up. <laughs> but I put out my fall wreath, my pumpkin, yeah. all this kind of stuff on my front porch. But now I feel like I need to do Christmas. No, you don't. Oh, come on. No. Everybody's doing no. Christmas. No. It is the first of November. <laughs> now once like, do I put it up? No. I just put it out two weeks ago. No. Now I know a lot of people are I they just are. listen. I usually wait until after Thanksgiving. Yeah, like usually after Thanksgiving, that weekend is when we put up the tree. But when I was growing up, we didn't put it up until close to my birthday. My birthday's on the thirteenth. Yeah, we always waited till probably like at least the first week of December when yeah. I was growing up. And I know everybody's doing it now. I, know. I feel like the peer pressure is that I should <laughs> put my Christmas tree up. But I'll tell you. I usually put it up, and we usually go to the beach for Thanksgiving, so yes, I, I might you do. sometimes put it up the week before, so it's already out when we get back. This year, we're home. We're not going to the beach. Yay, so. thank God y'all are home. <laughs> Yay. Woo-hoo. Oh, I don't know. It's, oh, I come know. on. You're home. No. You get to celebrate with us. I know. I'm excited to celebrate with you guys, but... I know. Y'all you get used to going, going to the beach. I'm not going to the beach. I know. <laughs> but now I lost my train of thought of where I was going with that. Um... You put your Christmas tree up, usually, when you go to the beach, but no, oh, you're home. By the time Christmas gets there, I'm like, this stuff has got to go. <laughs> you're sick of it. Do you ever feel that way? Some people no. are not like that. They just no. love it. And I do love the twinkle of the lights. Yeah. But I just... I've always loved Christmas time. There's always been something magical I do too, for me. But it's like, now that's Christ- faded over time that I've got older, which stinks. No, I love but it. But I love it. So I don't ever want to take it down until Christmas is over. And then I'm like, okay, it's got to go. Well, by the time Christmas is over, I'm like, we're packing it up today. Yeah. Like I'm done. Yeah, I do that too. Once Christmas is over. I'm ready. I feel like my house seems so much bigger goes. once <laughs> all the stuff is gone. I realize though how many, how much I have not decorated my house when I clean up Christmas. Cause I'm like, Ooh. It looks bare in here. <laughs> yeah. Now, I need to go buy some stuff for my house. But anyways, yeah. So I've been back and forth. Maybe I'll wait till after Thanksgiving. I won't give in to everything that I'm seeing all over social media. I know. Goodness gracious. I know. I have no desire, but... No desire. No desire to put it up yet. I want to no. wait till after Thanksgiving, or at least the week of Thanksgiving before I well, jump in. Because I'm not hosting Thanksgiving, right. so mm-hmm. I can put it up anytime that week and just leave my Thanksgiving wreath up, maybe. Up. Yeah. <laughs> So when people drive by, they think we're still Thanksgiving. Instead of being know. awful out Christmas. Yeah. yeah. I know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Anyways. So. The big debate. The big debate. Yeah. Thanksgiving or Christmas? <laughs> what is it? Let's what is Thanksgiving it? Thanksgiving first. Jeez, we barely got Halloween over with. I know. So. I know. 
Well, as important as the Thanksgiving <laughs> Christmas debate is, let's go ahead and dig into what we're talking about today. So when I reflected back on what we talked about last week, all I could think was just praise the Lord. Yes. Thank you, God, for so much hope that you give us in a world when things look bleak. You know, he doesn't leave us wandering around with no understanding of what will happen before his return. And so just as a brief overview, we ended last week in 1 Thessalonians at the end of chapter 4 as Paul describes what us as Christians refer to as the rapture, being caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord. And chapter 5 then tells us that this will take place all of a sudden, like a thief in the night, but that we are not left in the dark. We can be prepared by being secure in our salvation and being children of the light. And then we ended with 1 Thessalonians 5, 11. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also you do comfort ourselves and lift up one another. That's what we're called to do. But how do we do all of that? That's what we're going to talk about today. How do we behave and how do we respond when we see the end is approaching? And I must give credit where credit is due. A portion of today's teaching comes from Pastor John Dell's book, First and Second Thessalonians. And Ashley and I were actually just talking before we started this lesson If you are looking for a Bible study book that is very easy to follow, easy to read, his studies are the ones for you. they are. Um, You know, it's not over my head, but it gives me the information that I need just to understand what I'm reading at times. In layman's terms. Because some people can just talk and you're like... Oh, what are yeah, you? I don't really, are we speaking two different languages? Right. And he doesn't. He speaks our language. Yes, so yeah. it is um, heavy on scripture, right. um, but he breaks it down and he explains it in a way that's very understandable. But then also, not only am I using some of uh, his teachings from his book, but as well as one of my husband's sermons. Um, from a few years ago. As I was studying this, I found some notes that he had done. So if you went to our church at that time, some of this teaching might be a little bit familiar. Um, but I got to give credit to both of those today too. Yeah. <laughs> so. One of a perk of being a pastor. Yeah, wife, right? that's right. Yeah. I was looking on Aaron's at something the other day. I was like, oh, is this what you're going to? And he's like, what are you doing looking at my <laughs> notes? I'm like, oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> I didn't know they were off limits. Yeah. Um, so let's turn a page back and go to 1 Thessalonians 2, and we see what Paul has to say. But first, we need to understand why Paul is writing and what had just happened to him before he wrote this letter to the church of the Thessalonians. So before Paul came to Thessalonica, he was on his second missionary journey preceded by his journey to Philippi, where we know he was beaten and thrown in jail for preaching the gospel. We know Silas was with him and was Mm -hmm. jailed with him. And we know out of that whole thing, this big earthquake came and ended up tearing down the walls of the jail. Through all of that, the jailer got saved, came to know the Lord. And his whole family. And his whole family. So Mm -hmm. Paul's in prison and he's still sharing the gospel and people are still getting saved. So before Paul, like I said, came to Thessalonica, he was on his second missionary journey, preceded by this journey to Philippi, and he had been accompanied by Silas and Timothy. And when Paul and Silas felt led to leave Thessalonica, Timothy stayed. And later on, when Paul and Timothy were together again, Timothy reported of the growing and bold faith of the Thessalonians, which is what then prompted Paul to write this letter. 
It wasn't like some of his other letters to the churches that was to rebuke them for their sin, but it was a letter to encourage them to keep on serving the Lord because he heard of the amazing things that they were doing and how bold they were being in their Mm -hmm. faith and how on fire they were for God. Well, and even this morning as I was doing my Bible reading in Acts chapter 17, it mentions when Paul went through Thessalonica how some Jews believed what he was teaching, but others were envious of what Paul and Silas were doing. And it gives an account where they gathered the people together and it says, quote, they set all the city on an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason. This is what some of the Jews were doing there. So it just goes to show us that it wasn't like everything was easy going as a Christian in Thessalonica. It was a difficult place to live out your faith, but Paul was encouraged by their continued obedience to the Lord and he wanted to let them know. And you know, I just thought maybe we should all take yeah. that in cons- to consideration at times. We too often want to cast judgment or tell someone when they're doing wrong, but sometimes it's necessary just to let people know when they're doing things right yeah, and when they're doing them. yes yeah. encourage them and that's what we're called to do is to build one another up encourage them to stand in their faith to stand strong in what they believe in um, not just rebuke people when they're doing wrong and so Paul had a balance mm-hmm. of both of that so I just thought that was a good reminder mm-hmm. this morning So that leads us to chapter two Paul references his own conduct and outside of Jesus, Paul was probably one of the greatest examples of what a Christian should be after his conversion, of course. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, so let's read what he had to say. It says, For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain. But even after that, we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as ye know, at Philippi, which Ashley had Mm -hmm. already talked about. We were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention, for our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile. So he's telling them, we came to you after suffering a lot. We were beaten for our faith. But you know what? It didn't stop us. Mm -hmm. And so Paul is just reiterating that because he knew the advancement of the gospel was more important than the pain of his body. And isn't that amazing commitment? Paul had an excuse, but he didn't allow that excuse to stop him. And how many times do we find ourselves with an excuse for something? All the time. (laughs) And we take it. I I think about that. Oh, no. I'm I'm going back to a song. But I think about that excuses song. In the summer, it's too hot. In the winter, it's (laughs) too cold. You know, it's always something. Yeah. So, I mean, think of how many times, like, one of the kids have a little sniffle and we excuse ourselves from all the things that glorify God. And I'm guilty of this myself that, like, if I have a busy week or I'm stressed or whatever, then I may not read my Bible today because I've just got too much going on. But really, that's when I need it the most, most, you know. Or if I'm just rushing around of all the commitments that I have for that day and I go to the grocery store, rather than looking at that clerk with, you know, gospel eyes of like, are they a Christian? Spiritual eyes, I guess. Are they a Christian? Do they know the Lord? No, I'm not looking at them that way. I'm just trying to get my stuff done and and get out the door. But Paul didn't do that. He knew his time was short, so he did what he had to do. So what can we learn from Paul is number one, don't let difficulty slow you down. Continue advancing the gospel any chance that you get. Yep. So let's continue on in verse four. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. For neither at any time use we flattering words, as ye know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is witness, nor of men sought we glory, 
neither of you nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. So not only did Paul not allow difficulty to slow him down, but number two, he sought to obey God more than man. Right. So, you know, we are a society that spends way too much time wondering what people think about us. And listen, we get that none of us want to look ridiculous in front of others, but as Christians, we are called to seek and obey God above anything and everything else. Yes. And I'm just reminded of Luke 9:26, and it says, "For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed." Mm-hmm. So if you're ashamed to share the gospel with people, if you're embarrassed, right. if you're, you know what, God's going to be ashamed of you. Yeah. And that's the last thing that I want to know is when I get to heaven and I'm being judged that he said, I know you were in front of this person and I was, I was tugging at your heart to speak to them, to witness to them. And you didn't do it. You didn't do it. Yeah. Because you were ashamed of me. Right. That would just be awful. Yeah. And you might as well just come to terms with the fact that if you are truly seeking to follow the Lord in everything, you're going to look silly at times. First yep. Corinthians one eighteen says, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. So those who do not have the spirit living inside of them, they're not going to understand. It's going to look silly. It's going to look foolish at times how we live and we think as Christians. And, you know, I even think probably some Christians thought we've been crazy at times. I can't tell, tell you how many people thought we were being ridiculous when we downsized our house because we knew that Derek was leaving, you know, a great job and going into ministry. And so we understood that that was going to decrease the funds a little bit, you know, so we had to make that that decision and we were right. And so God honored that just, it wasn't anything major, you know, we still have a great house and everything, but we made that decision and God honored that because of that little tweak, I guess, that we made for him. It was for him so that Derek could surrender to full-time ministry. I think about when we adopted Justin and Charlie, and I've talked about this before, but what's crazy about that is we had never seen them before. Um, We just knew that they needed a home, and we were like, hey, we will be it. So not only were we adopting and kind of springing on our friends and family that we were adopting one, we were adopting two, sight unseen. We had no idea physical, mental well-being. We knew none of that. And so I'm sure at times that (laughs) that looked foolish, you know. I was actually just talking to some people at our church the other day about when we came to Talmo. Mm -hmm. And the way everything worked out is um, I guess we had come and met some of the people there. Of course, we had met with the pulpit committee and things like that. And they had asked Derek to take the church. But the day that they were voting on us, and maybe this is common, I don't know. Maybe I need to hear from some other pastors' wives. But that was the first day that we had ever even stepped foot into No, I thought it was a crazy. Service. <laughs> like, I was like, y'all have never even been a service before? Y'all no. <laughs> and so they had some social media presence, but not a lot. Yeah. And so there wasn't a lot that we could really go off of. Yeah. It was really just a step of faith. But that morning, I mean, Maddie, which, you know, at the time she's 13, so a 13-year-old making a big change like that. She was in tears, which brought me to tears. It was a very stressful morning, but it was like we just walked in there, and it was 
God just gave God us gave peace. such peace, yeah. but I'm sure it kind of seemed a little foolish at the moment. Yeah. But it, you know, it's also a reminder to us that you know our boys. God has provided every step of the way. Our mm-hmm. home that we moved into, it was actually what we needed at the time, and it's been great. Talmo Baptist Church has been amazing. Mm-hmm. Like God is doing some amazing work, and you know, I think you actually. Um, came on social media last week kind of talking yeah. about it, but we don't always plug mm-hmm. our specific church because we want you to be faithful to, you know, your community and the church that you go to. But if you are in the Gainesville, Jefferson, Talmo area, this is the place to be. Like, come yeah. join us at Talmo. It's so church. exciting to see what God is doing. And just such amazing people. You know, I have never felt so welcome and so loved in a church, you know, as I was when I walked in the doors at Talmo. And I feel like so many people that have joined this year, we've had what, 41, are we up to 41 41, people that have joined this year and within 10 months. It's so, it's amazing. It's amazing what God's doing, but all of them say they felt love from the moment that they walked in the doors and they felt like, you know, they were welcome there. And they, and, and I don't know, we, we visited so many churches yeah. before we ended up at Talmo. And I'm telling you, most of the time we were just ready to, to leave. We felt yeah. it's a very uneasy feeling sometimes visiting these churches. So just coming somewhere that you feel welcome and that people want you there. And yeah. they, you know, they There's genuinely want new people to come in. They genuinely love on the people mm-hmm. that come in. So, I mean, Miss, I have to throw Miss Jean out there because she knows everybody's name. Yes. <laughs> I mean, she will remember your name. And I'm it. sorry, there's something personal about when somebody remembers your name. Yeah. And she makes that personal touch. She came up to my mother-in-law that came Sunday. And she, and Calvert, right? You know? <laughs> I mean, it was just really, it's, yeah. I don't know. It's That's her calling. That's her ministry. Yeah. And so I just it's think beautiful. it's really neat that so many people take to heart making people feel welcome there. Yeah, I so. agree. So let's go back to verse 7. Let's take a look at that now. So Paul continues And he says, but we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you, not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you were dear unto us. Just think of how that nursing mama cares for her baby, how gentle she is with him. Paul says he was gentle in his approach with the Thessalonians. He loved them. He cared for them. So number three, Paul cherished relationships with people. Don't take for granted the people God has placed in your lives. Look at them through a spiritual lens. Care for and love them so much that you will go above and beyond to let them know how much they mean to you. Love people. And isn't that one of the greatest commandments that we're called to do? Mm-hmm. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven through 39 says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And I have to say, I just think in this world, we've lost a lot of love for our neighbor. Most of us Mm -hmm. don't even know who our neighbors are. And you know, I mean, that goes back to what you said, what you said about um, the ladies of Talmo and the men of Talmo, that they remember people's names. They call them by name um, and they truly show that love. And I think that's missing. I think that's what's missing in our world today. You know, we, we have this this love side that's oh love and equality and but they're not love they're yeah. not spreading love right. and equality it's quite the opposite mm-hmm. they have they've destroyed 
what that even means. Right. You know, it's, they're not sharing love. They're not preaching love. I think if we truly found the love that we need, that this love that God talks about, loving our neighbor and loving the people around us, mm-hmm. it would change the world. Absolutely. And I've had to pray for that recently. Mm-hmm. I'll just be honest because in a world and a society that we live in, it's so easy just to be like, oh, people are, they're awful. I just don't even like right. to be around people. And they're so mean. So, I don't know. It's just going to a fast food restaurant. You go in the drive through and they just basically throw your food at you. They <laughs> won't even, you know, and it's hard right. sometimes. So I've had to pray a lot. Lord, restore that love that I used yeah. to have for to, people and mm-hmm. to serve and to minister to people as I should. That's good. Now going to verse nine, it says, for you remember brethren, our labor and travail for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you. We preached unto you the gospel of God. Ye are witnesses and God also how holy and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. Paul practiced what he preached. And that's number four. That's what brings us to our fourth point. He practiced what he preached. Do you just talk the talk? Sure, you'll share your Bible quote and scripture on social media. You come to church, but if someone were truly to watch your life, could you say what Paul said? I walked holy and justly and unblameably in front of you. Look at how we lived. Exemplify that. Talk about convicting. Do you think that's convicting? Do you practice what you preach? You know, when I put all of that into perspective, like, Mm -hmm. It's easy for me to say, look at this person and see how they behave. But when I say, look at me, right? I would be the first to be like, yeah, I don't know that you should always look at me. But yeah. he's saying, listen, I know that I was living the way I should be living in front of you. Look mm-hmm. at me and exemplify that wow. in front of, you know, people that you are witnessing to yeah. then. All right, so verse 11 says, As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children, that you would walk worthy of God who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. So think of a parent, how a parent is placed as an example in front of their children and the responsibility of that position. Our kids, especially those young ones, they mimic us. You know, my little ones mimic Derek and I. That's why we have to watch what we say, what we do, how we behave, because they're watching. Mm -hmm. So as a parent, I do my best to walk worthy of the authority that I have over my children. And in the same manner, those of us who are seasoned Christians should walk holy and justly in front of everyone, but especially those new believers. Because guess what? They're They're watching watching you and they'll mimic what they see. If you're legalistic about things, they'll take on those characteristics. But then on the flip side, if you excuse sin, guess what? They too will excuse sin. So walk worthy of the calling that God has given you. John Dell said in his book also, Paul wanted a clear presentation of the gospel, not only to be heard, he wanted the gospel to be lived before everyone. There are three words worthy of note as Paul described his character before them, holy, justly, and unblameably. The word holy means to be proper, right, to be consecrated. Justly defined means to be honest and fair. And then the word unblameably means without fault and innocent. He then said, when a child is born, the father plays a specific role in that child's entire life. The growth and maturity of a child are encouraged and expected by a father. 
Paul exhorted, comforted, and charged the Thessalonian believers to walk worthy before God. How foolish would Paul have been to charge them to live a life he was unwilling to live himself. To not have kids of his own. He sure was a father figure. That's to true. Many others, That's a good wasn't point he? to make. Yeah. So let's pick up in verse 13. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews. If we look at verses 19 and 20, it says, For what is our hope, or joy, or a crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our glory and joy. So finally, our final point is that Paul found joy in seeing the spiritual transformation of other people. And isn't that so true when we Mm -hmm. see a life changed that once walked in darkness and now walks in the light of Jesus? We see sins are forgiven, strongholds are broken, our joy is found. Seeing that transformation in people's lives, there's no amount of fun, no amount of excitement that matches seeing a new believer find that hope that we have in Jesus. Exactly. And I just think of the story exploding, you know, this week and in the past few weeks with Kat Von D getting baptized mm-hmm. and finding Jesus. And, you know, I listened to an interview this morning and actually we're just talking yeah. about it. Both of us listened to it, I think today or yesterday, but that she did with Ali Bastucki and her testimony and how mm-hmm. she came to find the Lord. And I love hearing those things, yes. man, to see, look at somebody that you honestly just never thought that they would have this impact right. on the world. Look at all the people that she's going to be able to reach that mm-hmm. you and I, one, would never. never be able mm-hmm. to reach. I love hearing those stories. I think that's why I was so drawn to watching those I Am Seconds on YouTube over and over and over again because I mm-hmm. love hearing people's stories. Yes. What the sin and the entrapment that the devil had them in, what God brought them out of. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's amazing. I think that's why we talked about doing a testimonial series right. on here, just throwing out people's testimonies. Mm-hmm. I hope one day we are able to to do that and post a second episode throughout the week because I just find so much joy in listening to those. Right. It just like gets you more on fire. Like, that oh is so yeah, true. yeah, let's just go out there. He, he can transform. He can change. Nobody's too far gone. Right. And I think sometimes we get complacent, especially yeah. if we haven't seen someone in our personal lives come mm-hmm. to know Christ in a while. And I think that's why um, what has made things so exciting at our church, because we've started seeing that, you know, lives changed, yeah. people being saved. But not only that seeing babes in Christ growing and then watching seasoned Christians discipling the younger ones. That's all exciting. And that's what we're supposed to do while we wait. You know, um, last weekend we attended our association's annual meeting and the pastor that preached was talking about a Christian man. And I can't, I feel like it was a a preacher that we, we, we We would would know, know, but I can't remember who it was, but he was asked to debate an atheist. And he said, sure. I'll debate him, but only if you can bring three men with him whose lives have been changed and transformed by their belief or unbelief. Men who have been freed by addiction, whose families have been restored, who went from depression to a life of hope, all because of their way of believing. And in return, I'll bring a hundred. I'll bring a hundred men and women who have been freed from the bondage of their addiction, who now have meaning in their lives, 
And the man asking for the debate just walked away because he knew that this man could not provide just three people Mm. whose lives have Have been been changed changed for the better. We need to grasp how powerful the gospel of Jesus is. And as we wait, we share with others so that they can experience the freedom and hope that we have. That's exactly right. And in chapter 3, verses 4 through 5, it says, For verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass, and ye know, for this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. Paul had seen it happen and would see it happen again. People would get excited about the message Paul was delivering. We might say they were on fire for yeah. God, you know, during that season and that moment. But once Paul left and they didn't have the accountability, the tempter good old devil, would begin to sow seeds of doubt in their minds. He would entice them with sin, and before you know it, they would be living in a way that did not honor the Lord. And we have to understand as believers that just because we accepted Christ, it doesn't mean that we will no longer face temptation. We will. Mm -hmm. Paul even, you know, Paul was the one that had the thorn in his side that he begged and pleaded, and we we will never know. Exactly what that what was, was. Yeah. he pleaded to take this thorn from my side and God didn't, you know, mm-hmm. he basically said, I will give you the strength, mm-hmm. you know, to overtake whatever that is that he was facing. But, you know, we'll face persecution. Also, your life will not always be rainbows and butterflies. Once you get saved, the devil will come to tempt you. He may even stay off your back as a lost person because he's got you. Right. He's got you right where he wants you. So why is he going to be... Mm-hmm all over you. But once you trust in Jesus, he's going to fight hard to keep you discouraged and living in doubt. Because if he can do that to you, he'll keep you from fulfilling what God has called you to do. John also says, the tempter's desire is for you to quit on God. God's desire for your life is continued blessings, fellowship, and you fulfilling his will. In chapter 3, Paul reiterates to them of Timothy's report that he brought us good tidings of your faith and charity, and they that desire to see Paul again as he did them. Then he reminds them to hold fast, stand fast in the Lord, pray where you're lacking, and ask the Lord to increase your love toward one another. And as Christians today, those same things should be our prayer. Why? So that we too can be blameless and holy when Christ returns, as he says in verse 13. So what a great reminder is this for us today. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be living in sin when Jesus comes back. Mm -hmm. I want to be found blameless at his return. And in order to do that, it requires me to stay in prayer and loving those around us. I think if everybody, no matter what they did, if they were like, if Jesus came back right now, or if Jesus was sitting beside me right now, would I feel okay with what I'm doing, right. with what I'm looking at, with what I'm reading, with what I'm listening to? Mm-hmm. And so many times the answer would be no. Right. But he's sitting right beside you <laughs> yes. all the time. We forget that. You know, we yeah. forget that. So not only do we hold fast as is taught in chapter three, but we are called to holiness in chapter four. Verse one says, furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus as that as ye have received of us, how you ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more. Continue to walk in holiness. This is part of your sanctification as described in verse 
3. But how do we do that? Paul talks about abstaining from sexual sin, not to defraud anyone, love one another, be honest. And I like what verse 11 says. It says, study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. Um, that's another, <laughs> I think that's another study in and of itself. Maybe a whole it other is. episode. Study to be quiet. Mm. In a world where the loudest person gets their way yeah. as Christians, that's not what we're called to do. We're that's just studying right. to be quiet and to mind our own business and to do our own work. Mm. That's tough. That's tough. <laughs> that's Anybody convicted yet? Yeah. Yeah. So, Tabitha, what is the purpose for us going into this episode today? The purpose is exactly what we talked about earlier. We have all the instruction we need found in God's Word. How we should live, holy, looking up, ready for the Lord's return. And I love that Paul tells us how we should live and then goes into the hope that we have found in the calling up of the saints on the day of rapture. And then in chapter 5, as we've already talked about, he tells us to comfort one another, which is exactly what Paul was doing for the church of the Thessalonians. That's right. So what's a challenge for us this week? Hey, this is going to be short and sweet, but don't be caught at his returning living in sin. Be found blameless before the Lord, serving him, loving people, and living holy. I love that. Just something simple. Doesn't get any simpler than that, but yet, but it's it's so hard. But it's hard. For some, (laughs) yeah. So, you know, that leads us to next week as we finish looking at the end of 1 Thessalonians 5 with Paul's final exhortation in this letter. So we cannot wait to get into that episode with you guys. Thank you so much for listening today. You know, Tabitha, we hadn't done this in a couple weeks, and I just feel like we need to end the episode with a word of prayer. Let's do it. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we just come to you today. Lord, we thank you, God, for allowing us to open up your word and just study through it. We thank you that your word is true and that we can hang on to every word that you give us, God. And we're just thankful for the hope that you have given us through your son, Jesus, and that he is returning for his church, Lord, and we are looking up ready for him to return any day now. We love you. We thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. Make sure you follow us on social media, on Instagram and Facebook. Check out our website as well. And don't forget to read 1 Thessalonians, especially chapter 5. And you can be caught up on and at least be able to follow along with what we're doing next week. Thank you, guys. As always, remember, a sincere desire to be purposeful women of God starts with changing focus from me to thee. God bless from our hearts to yours. See ya. Bye.